0: Hey guys, thanks for tuning in today to the JTP Church Podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message. If you want to share with us what God is doing in your life, you can write us at hello at jtp.church. If you would like to partner with us and make a financial gift to our ministry, you can visit us at www.jtp.church and make a donation. Now sit back and enjoy the message. Today, we are celebrating Jesus in this place. We're celebrating life I mean, that action that Jesus and that decision that he made to go to the cross and take your place and take mine made all the difference. So maybe you're here and you're like asking or watching us online and you're saying, what's the big deal? What's the fuss? You know, it's about why are all these people singing? And it's just that it's made a huge difference. And if you sit down, I'm going to be able to let you know why this is so important. So have your seat. Welcome to JTP Church. If you're visiting us for the first time, whether you're here live or whether you're watching us, we greet you. We love to have you in our church family, and we believe that God has something special for us today. And, and I want to get right into the topic. Today we're going to be talking about solving the universal problem. Every single person. And this is something that's going to hit everybody in this place because, you know, whereas some people can go through some problems and others go through other sets of problems, this is a problem that every single human being has. How do we solve this universal problem called death? You guys that don't know me, I was born in Argentina. I came to the United States when I was one and a half year old. My family came down. I was just a baby. Uh, So I don't remember much before coming over here. Although I've gone back to Argentina a few times. And many of you guys here are Latin culture. Some of you guys were born here, but your parents were, you know, born somewhere else. And the Latin culture was instilled in you. And I remember my parents would always tell us, my sister and I, when we would go to a cemetery, we can never step on a tombstone. Anybody here as well? Yeah, you can't do that. If you do that, it's bad luck. They would even tell you that you can't, you can't step across a tombstone. Am I right? It's, it's bad luck. And you know, some parents even took it to the next level. They would say, your, your foot will rot off if you do that, right? Or, and they would say things like this. And I started doing a little bit of research. I found out that it's not just the Latino culture. It's not just us Hispanics. There's some cultures that are even more out there with respect to their superstition to the dead and with respect to cemeteries. For example, There are those who say that if you take a picture in the cemetery, you are calling for bad luck. So no pictures. I've heard others say that if rain falls on an open grave during a burial, it means that there will be a death in the family soon. Some even say, look, don't even yawn in a funeral because if you just open your mouth, an evil spirit will come and enter your body. (laughs) Here's another one. If you count the cars in a funeral procession, the number of cars will be equal to the number of weeks you have left to live. And my favorite one, the first person to leave the cemetery after a burial is going to be the first one to die. So, so wealthy families, what they would do is they would bring their servants and the people that would work in their house, and they would bring them <laughs> to the burials. And then when it was time to go, they would send them out first, you know, just to get rid of their curse and to make sure they don't die. So it's funny how, you know, since we are children, our parents, and we grew up with this deep respect and sometimes even fear because of these exaggerated superstitions of death. Now, let me talk to you a little bit about this because before we get to life, we got to talk a little bit about death. The greatest fear any human being will face is death. That's the ultimate fear. Every single person fears that. All religions, as a matter of fact, are motivated in trying to solve this problem called death. For example, some believe, some religions believe that if a person dies, they're going to be reincarnated into a better version of yourself or worse version of yourself depending on how you lead your life right now. So depending on how you live your life today, your next life, you could either be a king or you could be a mosquito, you know, it's stuff like that. Then there's other religions that believe that in the afterlife, it's going to be some, a place called paradise. And you're just going to be laying on a chair and there's going to be, you know, uh, uh, cute chicks, you know, serving, you know, giving you little grapes and, and with palm trees just uh, making you feel good. There's a lot, of, a lot of religions try to solve this problem of the afterlife and what comes after death and whatnot. So death is the only power that controls every human being. No one can stop it no one can challenge it, no matter how successful or important you are. Once death calls, death always wins. Another thing about death is that no one can resist death. Now, thanks to medical advances and thanks to science, you can delay death. You know, all of us have heard Stories of people that, you know, they they died for a few minutes and they came back to life and they had another shot at life or that they overcame cancer. They beat cancer and, and, you know, their life was extended and whatnot. You can delay it, but you cannot stop it. No one can resist death. No one can even avoid death. Everyone here one day, unless Jesus comes for his church in the rapture, that's another topic for another day, everybody's going to have to face this day one day. The Bible says in Hebrews 9, 27, each person, everybody say each person. Now look at the person next to you and tell them you're included in that group, right? Each person is destined to die once. How many times, people? Once. And after that comes judgment. There's going to be a day of judgment. It's going to be a day where we're going to be before God. The books are going to be open. That's This is in the book of Revelation and everything that we've ever done in life in secret and in public will be revealed there and we're going to have to give account and be judged by the things that we've done. So there's going to be a judgment day, but it says here that each person is destined to die once. So that whole thing about reincarnation, out the door. It's clear here in the word of God that we just get one chance at this thing called life. Now, The Bible says, or not the Bible says, death is also an equalizer because it doesn't matter if you were a king in this life or if you were a prime minister or a president or if you were a pastor, you were a teacher, you were a housewife, it doesn't matter because once you die, we're all on the same plane. Maybe you have a fancy tombstone, maybe you were put in a fancy grave, but it's the same dirt you're going to be buried on. It's the equalizer. So I want to be able to talk a little bit about this now because a lot of people associate death with evil. So a lot of people think, well, death was created by the devil. Death was not created by the devil. Death was created by God, as a matter of fact. It doesn't, um, whether there is life or wherever there is life, there has to be death. Why? Because death is inherent in life. Just like if we turn off all these lights right now, there's going to be darkness. Wherever there is no light, there's darkness. Wherever there is no life, there's death. So death is inherent in life. I want you to tell your neighbor, look at them in their eyes and tell them, death was created without the power to kill. So you need to understand this, that when God created Adam, he gave him life, but death was inherent in him. However, it didn't have any power. Death did not have any power. The Bible says that God created Adam out of the dirt and he gave him form, but then he, he breathed on him. Something came out of God from his spirit and it came into Adam and it made him uh, a human. And we're getting, we'll get into that, what that means in just a little bit. But it, once he had life, death was also inherent in him. In Genesis chapter 2, Verse 16 and 17, God speaks about death for the first time. It wasn't the devil. It was God. He said this. He was telling Adam, but the Lord God warns him, you may freely eat of the fruit of any tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. So here's God. He's telling Adam, listen, all of this I've done for you. I'm gonna, you know, I've done this because I love you. I put you in this garden. Anything you could eat, it's all free, you know. Uh, but there's one tree that you can't eat from because the day that you eat from that tree, you will surely die. Now keep in mind, Adam had never seen anybody die. He didn't turn on Channel 7 News and see what happened and, you know, his neighbor shot the other neighbor. No, he was the first human being, didn't even know what that meant. So, Here's here's Adam. He doesn't know what this happens. And God is telling him, the day you eat from that tree, you will activate death. You will give power to death. Because we all had said that God created life and death was inherent in life, but death had no power. However, through disobedience, God was telling Adam, if you disobey my word, if you eat from this tree, then you're going to give power to death. So the question then is, where does, get, where does death get its power from? And death is it's like a bee in a garden. You see a bee? Imagine a bee without a sting. It's beautiful, but it has no power. All right? So that's how death was at the beginning. If we can find what gave death power, then we can take away its power. So let me give you a snapshot of this guy that I admire in the Bible. His name is Paul. He was one of the crazy guys that did amazing things for Christ. And I want, I want to share you a little bit about what he wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 54. Because this is how every one of us as Christians should act. And this is how we should... These are the convictions that we should have. He said this... Death is swallowed up in victory. Isn't that a powerful phrase? Death is swallowed up in victory. We're talking about solving the universal problem. That death is the biggest problem humanity has, but he's talking now about something bigger swallowing up death. And it's called victory. And then he starts like kind of kind of taunting, right? Have you guys how many of you guys like sports? Right? Okay, 15-yard penalty in football when you taunt, right? When you score a touchdown and you laugh on the on the cornerback's face, right? You get a, you get a penalty for that. Why? Because taunting. But here's, here's Paul. He's taunting death. He's actually bullying death. And he says, oh, death. And we were just singing about it. Where is your sting? Where is your sting, death? Oh, death, where is your victory? So Paul... Here is defying. You see, you got to, as a Christian, you got to live your life defying all the things that come against you. Defying all the things that are contrary to the word of God. Defying sickness. Defying poverty. Defying all these things that God said that he came to give you. You know, sometimes you got to stand and start speaking things into existence. And I love how he starts reacting to this. He's bullying death. He's telling death, you have nothing on me. You can't touch me, death. Where is your victory? Where is your sting? Where is your power? Before Jesus, yeah, you were bad. But when Jesus came, that's it. You have no sting. So I want you to pay attention to this. Where did Paul get his authority to speak like that? Where did Paul get... What what happened that Paul speak with such conviction? What gave death its power? He clears it up for us. In verse 56, he says, the sting of death is sin. Everybody say, the sting of death is sin. So God created us. Death is inherent in our life, but it had no power of us. It had no power over us. What gives death power over us is sin. Sin is what activates the power of death. So I want you to write that down so you can remember. Death receives its power from sin. So the key to destroy death it's to take away the power that it has. It's to remove sin from it. So this is important if you want to live the rest of your d- days in peace. How many of you guys want to live a life in peace and in victory? Amen. This is important that you know that. Because God has us here today because he wants to remove any fear of death that you may have. You see, without sin, death has no power over man or women the human race. Without sin, death has no power over us. So, man, if we could only remove sin, that would make life much better, wouldn't it? Doesn't it make sense? Here's the problem. Every single man is a sinner. Every single person sitting here, every single person standing here, every single person ever created is a sinner. So how can we remove the sin? We can't remove it because it was our disobedience that gave it power to begin with. It was when Adam said, or or when Adam went and took from the tree that God told him not to eat, that he opened the door for sin now to have power over our lives. And just as Adam sinned, I sinned, you sinned, we're all sinners. And the Bible says for... For everybody has sinned as ha- and has been separated of the glory of God. That's our problem. That's humanity's problem. So someone was needed and he had to be a human because if death entered and sin entered through a human, it had to be removed through a human as well. And I want, I want to lead you to Hebrews 2.14. The Word of God says, because God's children are human beings, made of flesh and blood, the Son was also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Isn't that powerful? You see, because Adam was a human and death entered into a human, it couldn't be an animal that died for humanity. It couldn't be himself a human. And he said, you know what, I love them so much. He didn't have to. He could have said, you know what, I could have wiped out all humanity and just created a new race or just made robots that every time I press them, they say, hallelujah, hallelujah. He could have done anything, right? But he didn't do that. He loved us so much that he became one of us. He became a man and he went to the cross and died. He became a human. What does human mean? Human comes from two words in the original. It comes from the first word called humus, which means dirt. Everybody say dirt. And it comes from anus, which means spiritual being. So when you say human, what you're really saying is a spirit being in a dirt body. That's what a human is. When you say the word human, it's a spirit being inside a dirt body. And like we said before, when God created Adam... He gave him form. He made him with the dirt. So that's our dirt body. But then he also breathed on him. And the Bible says that the minute he did that, human being came to life. That's why what you see in the mirror, that's not who you truly are. This is just like a packaging, people, right? And this packaging gets old. You know, unfortunately, with time, you're going to get more wrinkles. Uh, you know, things, that, things are going to start to hang after a while, you know, and sag. It's, it, that happens. It's life. But the true you, it's a spirit being. It's a being that's connected to God, that could connect to God, that's going to live eternally. How many thank God for that? Come on, put your hands together. He made us eternal. He made us eternal. So since God told a human that if he disobeyed and ate from the tree, he would die, he needed a human to die and not an animal, not anything else, not an angel So thanks to God, he became man and died for all humanity. Now, follow me here. The resurrection of our body, the Bible talks about one day where our body is going to resurrect. The resurrection of every Christian's body is not a goal to achieve. It's a natural process when death is not around. Let me explain it to you this way. When Jesus died And he was three days in the tomb. When it was time to resurrect, he didn't have to fight death. He didn't have to, you know, fight the devil. Because death has lost his power, because death lost his strength, the natural process is that resurrection happens. You see, when death has no power over you, resurrection is the natural process. When you die covered by the blood of Jesus, the day that, you know, we have to leave this, this earthly body, when we die, resurrection is the normal thing that would happen because death has no power over us. How many say amen? So, dear friend, JTP Church, you don't have to try to get rid of death and its power. Your focus shouldn't be, oh man, how can I overcome death? No, just remove sin, remove the cross, could he, Jesus, set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying? I don't know if you've met people, but I've met a few people that are freaked out about death. They don't even want to talk about it. They're freaked out about it. It's, it's like if you, if you talk, don't talk about it, it's like it's not going to come. But it's something that 100% of people who are born will have to face that someday, some earlier than others. But the Bible says here that when Jesus, by him dying on the cross, he set us free. Come on, touch two or three people and tell them he set you free. He set you free. He set us free. He set us free from what? He set us free for being slaves of the fear of dying. So check this out. It's going to get a little bit more interesting now. But when Jesus was crucified, he had a total of 120 followers on his Instagram. All right, 120 followers. The Bible says that those were the people that were in the upper room and started praying after Jesus commanded them to do it. Today in the year 2021, 3.2 billion, or did I just transpose? No, I'm sorry. I transposed the numbers. 2.3 billion people claim to be followers of Jesus. From 120 to 2.3 billion people. The church of Jesus Christ is bigger than the entire population of China. The church of Jesus Christ is bigger than the entire population of China and Europe together combined. Wait, not just that. The, the church of Jesus Christ, the mighty church of Jesus Christ, is bigger than the entire population of China, Europe, and the United States of America <laughs> combined. Come on, people. 120 followers. 120 followers. And now 2.3 billion people. This event, and how how did this happen? The the question is, how do you go from 120 to 2.3 billion? And you know what? Only one word can answer that. Resurrection. Resurrection. What we're celebrating today. You see, the reason why there's so many Jesus followers is because death couldn't contain them. It's because he defeated The biggest enemy that any human being can have. He defeated death. Resurrection speaks of life. Resurrection speaks of hope for everybody who believes. So this event transformed the lives of 120 disciples. Check it out. When Jesus, right before being resurrected, right before he resurrected, these disciples were disheartened. They thought they just spent three years with Jesus and that everything went down the drain and that's it. Now, well... What are we going to do? Let's, some of them said, let's go back to fishing. That's what we know how to do. I mean, we got to eat. We got to survive. So we got families. So let's go back to fishing. They were disheartened. They were depressed, disoriented, defeated. And Jesus, through his resurrection, transformed these people that were in that state into brave warriors full of hope. And the gospel of Jesus Christ to this day keeps transforming people, keeps taking people out of death and into life, keeps changing people that were like these disciples, disheartened, depressed, messed up because of what they've had to endure in life and gives them hope and transforms them and uses them to be able to transform other people. It's amazing what the resurrection has done. So I want to finish off today Sharing with you five things. There's many more. Please uh, don't think that this is just a, a finite list. There's many more reasons or many more things that the resurrection means to you and me. But we, don't, we only have time for five. So take this out of your writing. I'm going to give you five things of what the resurrection means to you. Because, fine, Jesus resurrected. Praise God. Hallelujah. We sing. But that happened 2,000 years ago. What does that mean for me? Well, the first thing it means to us is that we have been completely forgiven of our sins. When you receive Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross and you believe that God lifted him up on the third day, the Bible says that we are completely forgiven of sins. Ephesians 1.7 says, God is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom. Tell the person next to you, it cost him And it cost him dearly. It cost him his life. He purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. Come on, is anybody here happy and excited and grateful that he took your place and mine on the cross to forgive our sins? It can never get old with you, man. You can never get tired of hearing that. Because sometimes, if you're like me, I I was born in the church. I've been listening to this message. How many? I've spent many Easter's in the house of God and I have many messages, but it can never get old, the fact that Jesus died for you and paid the price. It can never get, I was telling the leaders today when we prayed to start the service, I was telling them, look, it can never, we can never take for granted the fact that we live in freedom every day. Because when you're used to living in freedom for 20 years, you don't even realize that there's people that, probably have lived all their lives in bondage so we can never lose sight and be grateful of being able to live in freedom. So everybody say, complete forgiveness of sin. The second thing that the resurrection means to us is that we are no longer afraid of death and dying. When my time comes, my time comes. I'm closing this chapter in this world, but a better one is opening up it's not the end of something. It's the beginning of something. How many say amen? Why do people freak out about death? Because the whole uncertainty of what's going to happen on the other side. Where will I go? How? How? Is there, is there even an afterlife? What's, the whole uncertainty about it creates death. It creates fear. Sorry. It creates fear inside of us. And if Jesus had not risen... We wouldn't even know that there was life after death, but Jesus showed us that the best comes after the death of this body. And I'll prove it to you. John eleven twenty five, 25, the Bible says, this is something that Jesus said to someone. He told her, I am the resurrection and I am the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Dying is not going to hold you back, my brother. If you live and if you believe in Jesus Christ, when you die, it's the beginning of your best life. It's the beginning of an eternity with our Savior. The third thing that resurrection means to us believers is that now we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Oh, I got just one amen and somewhere back there. I don't even know who said it. But let me tell you, that one of the biggest advantages for a believer and one of the greatest things that the resurrection did for us as people of God is that now we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. God is one person in three parts. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. None of them is bigger than the other. God the Father is not bigger than God the Son, and God the Son is not bigger than the Holy Spirit. It's the same person. But in three, they operate in three different ways. The Bible says that when you accept Jesus Christ in your heart, like some of you guys will do today, the Holy Spirit, God himself, that part of God, comes to live inside of you. That means that God is inside of you. Do you realize what that means? And you know who was that lifted up Jesus from the grave? It was God, Holy Spirit. So the same power that lifted Jesus from the grave It's the same God that lives inside of you. Now, let me ask you something. Do you live life showing and understanding that all the power of God is living inside of you? Are you conscious that God lives inside of you? Because this is one of the advantages that we have. Look what Acts 1.8 says. But you will receive power. Everybody say power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. It's God's promise to us that we're not going to live just common lives we're gonna leave we're gonna live lives but through the power of the holy spirit and what does that do well it gives us authority that when we're sick we can call for healing it gives us authority that when we see a person in need we could pray for them and see the supernatural power of god intervene miraculously it it talks about that you know what what god wants to see is that your children see miracles in your home Miracles when you go through certain things that your children will see you get on your knees that just that's your first option and see they see you pray and then they see the victory that God gives you the Holy Spirit in our lives. And Jesus told them this before ascending and going to sit at the right hand of the Father, He told them, I am going to give you the Holy Spirit and He will give you the power to do things that you cannot do. And the reason why Christianity spread so quickly from 120 followers to today 2.3 billion followers after the resurrection is because they had the Holy Spirit it's because they had the power of God does anybody here understand how many of you are walking in that power that God has granted you raise your hand come on it's because we have the power of God the, the, the disciples went from living in fear oh my gosh They're going to crucify us just like they got Jesus. We're next in line. They went from having fear to being bold and going from city to city preaching about Jesus, getting whipped, getting thrown into jail, getting threatened, tortured, and yet they still had strength. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was giving them power to do things that they couldn't do on their own. They went from being in a state of hopelessness to having hope and not just having hope but offering hope to other people. They went from being cowards being brave and taking risk for the gospel and I want to tell you that God never destined you to live without the power of the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit gives you an advantage, tell the person next to you, the Holy Spirit gives you an advantage it gives you power it gives you strength it gives you determination to be able to look death into its eye and say, where is your sting? You're not going to keep me from serving God. You're not going to keep me from doing what God called me to do. Um, and once you're not afraid of death, what are you going to be afraid of? So what does this mean for our lives? The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available for you every single day. Seriously. Ephesians 1, 19, 20. Look what Paul was saying. He's talking to the church and he's sending this letter to the church in Ephesus. And he says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. Anybody here believe in God? So, you know what? I pray the same thing that Paul prays today. That you today would understand the greatness of God's power for who? For us who believe in him. And then it says, what kind of power? Well, he he explains it. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. And he's saying it's clear right there, right before your eyes, that the same power that lifted Jesus from the grave is the same power that Paul is praying that everybody understands and that I pray that you would understand today. Let me tell you, if the Holy Spirit could raise Jesus from the grave and He lives in you and He lives in me, He can definitely raise a dead marriage. If the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is inside of us, He most certainly can raise our dead careers. He most certainly can raise and resurrect our dead dreams, dead relationships. I don't know what's dry or dead in your life today, But if you're a Christian, I want to remind you that you have Holy Spirit power to call things into life. To call things that are dead and make them come to life in Jesus' name. How many of you all believe it? Definitely. So number four, God will never stop loving us. What does the resurrection mean for us? Well, he's never going to stop. He's never going to stop loving us. Jeremiah 31.3 says, I have loved everlasting love. With unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. I believe that a lot of you guys are here and are watching us because God's unfailing love has drawn you to him today. And you've had the chance to hear this message of God's unfailing and everlasting love. And last but not least, i like to say best for last. The fifth reason why resurrection is so important to us and what it's done for us is that now we have an eternal home awaiting for us. We just said that death for those who believe in Jesus Christ is the closing of a chapter, but the opening of a greater one. And you know, the reason why sometimes we don't think that's a big deal is because we have Hollywood's perspective of what heaven is. Sometimes when we think of heaven, be honest the first thing that comes to mind is everything white why is everything white god created colors didn't he create colors but we think everything's gonna be white and then and then we think like there's gonna be like a fog up to our knees like shh, like eerie and weird and that we're gonna be wearing these long white robes we're gonna have these little wings right and we're gonna have a little harp that'd be more like hell right but look, I want to I show you what a little bit. The Bible doesn't tell us that much. But look what is in heaven awaiting us. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2.9, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Come on. Does that get you excited? No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has ever imagined all that God has in store. And you know, sometimes you're there on the 9 to 5, you're working in your office, and, and you're all tired. And all of a sudden, you get a pop-up or you get a, an email sent to you, and it's it, they're enticing you to buy this vacation package. And they show you this beautiful scenery of Bora Bora or or Fiji, right, or if you like the mountains of Aspen Mountains and Breckenridge, and wow, so beautiful, and you're like, and you're there miserable with your little coffee trying to make it to 5 p.m., right, and you're like, oh my gosh, I so need to be there, that's what I need, and, and I mean, they're so crafty and advertising and showing you the, the amazing, beautiful things that we have in this world or in this earth and God says listen nothing that your eyes have ever seen nothing that your ears have ever heard not not the brightest and most creative mind has ever imagined what I have in store for you and people think that heaven's going to be like some weird place that okay what is there to do no no you don't even know it's a surprise but for those that remain faithful for those that live according to Jesus for those that live not allowing the sting of sin through death to come into their lives, but just opening their hearts to Jesus. We have this hope in Christ. So what I want to do today is tell you this, that I want to ask you, if you die today, if today is your day to go, if God calls on your name, and you know when God calls, when it's time, it's time. Sometimes he calls before some people, it takes longer to call, but when it's your time, you got to go. And if today was that day, are you sure you're going to heaven? And maybe your response to that is, Pastor, well, I think so. I hope so. I've been a good person. But you can't just hope for stuff like that. You can't put your whole eternity at the expense and risk it just hoping that you'll get there. If God calls you and today you have to leave this world, would God let you in? And if he tells you, well, so what's your password? I was a good person, God. Wrong. You can't be good enough to get into a perfect place. You can't be good enough to get into a perfect place. And I close with this. John 14. One through six. It's another one of those very few passages in the Bible that God talks about heaven. But he says this, don't let your heart be troubled. Come on, tell the person next to you, don't let your heart be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. Jesus is saying this, Look, trust in the Father and also trust in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. So tell the person next to you, tell them there's enough room for you. There's space for you. It's not crowded yet. If there were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, Jesus said, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. I love that word, always. So that you will always for eternity, forever and ever be with me. And you know the way where I am going. And there was... Obviously Thomas was clueless and let's not blame him. We would all be clueless if we were there on that day, hearing this for the first time. So Thomas says, no, we don't know Jesus. Where are you going? We have no idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus told him, this thing that we quote so often in the Christian church, it says, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it is through Jesus that we have life. It is through Jesus that we have everlasting life. It is through Jesus that the sting of death no longer can hurt us. We are made whole through Jesus Christ. And I'm going to ask you guys to stand on your feet today as we close up. I don't know about you, but I am willing to bet my life that Jesus is not a liar. I am we- I am willing to bet my life that what he's saying and that these words are true and i ask you what are you betting on because yes we have a universal problem the universal problem of this world is death it wasn't supposed to be like that when god created adam and eve he created them as eternal beings as a matter of fact nobody knows how long adam and eve lived before they ate from the fruit could have been millions of years could have been thousands nobody knows But the minute that they gave death the power, death took over and our lives became finite. Death came into the world and we have to deal with that. But because of Jesus, the same way death came in through a man, death had to go through a man. And no longer death has power for those that open their hearts to Jesus Christ. So what I want to do today is be able to offer this to you because this is free. It, it's free for us but it cost jesus his life it was such a steep price that he paid but so that today we could just receive it freely that's what i love about jesus so i want to offer this to you if you've never opened your heart to jesus so he could come and live inside of you forgive your sins give you everlasting life and you want to do that today it's just through a prayer it's just through the sincerity of your heart what you do have to do is admit that you're a sinner. It's admit that you've messed up. You've fallen short and that you need a savior and that Jesus rose on the third day and that he is alive. If you admit that, then the Bible says you have life and life in abundance. So if you want to do this at the count of three, please raise your hand. If you want to let Jesus into your heart, one, two, and three, all over this place. I see your hand back there. God bless you. God bless you. And if there's anybody watching us online, right there where you are. Raise your hand. I won't be able to see it, but I guarantee you God is there and God will see it. And all of us as a church, let's do this life-changing prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, on this day, Easter Sunday, 2021, I publicly open my heart to you and I ask that you come inside and forgive me of all my sins. I admit today that I'm a sinner, but I also know that through you, I can be reconciled with God and have life and everlasting life. Thank you Jesus, for this promise that you've granted me. and I'm ready to start living a life according to your word. In your name, I pray, in gratefulness. Amen. And amen, come on, give Jesus the biggest shout. Let's go. Yes. Jesus removed the sting of death and now we are made whole.